We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to the Bear Report Podcast as part of the Bear Report Radio Network. Juggled and eventually caught by Jason Kroon. The ball comes out, and the Bears have it. It's a fumble and a takeaway. Eddie Jackson going the other way for the Chicago touchdown. Blitz is on, and Peterman's throw. And that's another takeaway for the Bears. Leonard Floyd with a touchdown for Chicago. And welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Zach Pearson, and joining me, as always, is a writer, Aaron Lemming. How you doing, Aaron? Doing good, man. Uh, we're rolling here, dude. Five and three, going into the weekend, finally getting this uh, this this divisional slate going, and it's already halfway through the week for me, and I just got a load of three-day weeks coming up, so things are good, man, all the way around. Yeah, it's always better when the Bears are winning and on a winning streak. You know, you mentioned the five and three; they just destroyed the Buffalo Bills as they should have. Um, they enter the second half of the schedule now, coming up with five very important divisional games. They got a chance. They, they it's just it's a great atmosphere right now. You just feel like the Bears have a chance in November, which is something what well, we haven't been able to say since I think the first year of John Fox when they beat the Packers on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Because it's, I want to say yeah. Because it was they beat, they went to San Diego and they beat San Diego, and then I want to say they beat was it the Rams next week or somewhere in there. But they, they had a pretty good November, and you're thinking, okay, they beat the Packers. You're like, oh wow, they may actually be in this thing, and then just a complete fall off. I don't think that's going to happen this year, but yeah, I think this is. It's just, it's awesome, man. I mean, like I said, they're five and three. 
uh, you know, and, and and a lot of people, a lot of people kind of wonder why I was so hell bent on them going five and three. And it's like, you know, five and three doesn't define their season, but five and three gives them a chance to define their season. Getting the five and three was a must because now you've got a chance to go five and three within these net, you know, the, the second half of the season. And it sets you up for 10 and six to be eight and four in the conference. Good chance of making it in the playoffs. But you, you had to get to that point. But the big thing right now is divisional play. We'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. But I mean, they're five and three because of a game they should have won. They won it. They won it bigger than I think a lot of people expected. I think that a lot of people kind of felt like this was a trap game, even with Nathan Peterman. But uh, I mean, 40, 41 to nine, it wasn't exactly pretty by any means. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much they did what they were supposed to do. And, and it was just domination. After that first quarter, they were a little sluggish. But, I mean, after that, it was just domination from both sides of the ball. And people can say, well, you know, Trubisky only had 135 yards passing. And and the Bear, and they, they really didn't move the ball effectively on offense all the time. But, I mean, I thought the offense wasn't bad. I didn't think Trubisky had to be that great in that game to win it because the defense put up 14. Jordan Howard got you 14. And and from there it was just pretty much uh, you know smooth sailing. Well, I think some people have to understand. Okay, you know, like you just said, the offense didn't have to be good. And when you have a situation where your defense scores you two touchdowns, where your defense is doing all this for you, giving you short fields, uh, and I mean the the Bills ran a ton of plays because they just kept throwing short, running the ball, it's hard for the offense to get in the rhythm. I think that's something that the fans have to understand right now is the fact that, yes, there was two defensive touchdowns, but the, the Bears still scored over 20 points offensively. I mean, some of that was off of short fields, but Trubisky threw the ball 20 times. And I'm not going to say he was good because I don't think he was good, but at the same time, there, when you look at these kind of games, you look at them all over the league, and when your defense dominates games like this and – they put you in these kind of positions. It's hard for the offense to get in a rhythm. So it's not uncommon to see quarterbacks throw for under 200 yards a game when your offense score or your, when your defense scores you two touchdowns. So I, I know a lot of people are kind of making a little bit more of this game than they should in terms of the offense. All the offense took a step back, whatever it may be. But the, people have to understand that the Bills' defense is really good. I mean, they're so let's just put it this way: they're so good that they actually jumped up to number two in the DVOA rankings for pro, uh, sorry, uh, football outsiders this week, right behind the Bears. I mean, they have a really good defense. They've got some good talent there. And, I mean, this was to kind of be expected. But I think the fact that the Bears came out, they, they took a hold of the game in the, in the second quarter. And I think you're kind of seeing that, okay, maybe the Bears haven't really played that well over the last few weeks, really, since coming out of the bye week. But... At the same time, they have so many different ways that they can win games right now. And the and the, and the thing that and the thing that is kind of irking me a little bit is the Bears have had multiple opportunities in the past few years to kind of get back in the mix of things earlier on this season. All they had to do was win a game. I mean, look at last year with with Green Bay coming out of the bye. That was a game the Bears should have won. That was a game that a lot of people projected the Bears to win. The Bears lost that game. You go back to uh was it the first year under uh, John Fox? I mean, we're just talking about this, how they kind of had something going. They had to beat San Francisco. What happens? They come out, they lay an egg against San Francisco, and they get beat by Blaine Gabbert. So it's one of those situations where the Bears are winning games they're supposed to win. And I don't, I don't know why people are faulting them for that. These are games that they have to win. They're winning them. And their point margin right now, they're what, point, plus 82, uh, point differential? I mean, they're, they're third in the league. And in most metrics right now, a lot of metrics have them as a anywhere from a top three to a top five team. So, 
I, I think fans just need to be a little happy right now. And, you know, and it's just it, this is one of those games that they should have won. They won it. They won it bigger than I think a lot of people have projected to, and that's just what they're supposed to do. Yeah, not to bring up some bad memories, but they lost to Brock Osweiler and Blaine Gabbard, I believe, in back-to-back weeks that, that season. Exactly. So, I mean, that's my entire <laughs> game we're supposed to win, and they didn't do it. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing progress right now. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, what good teams do is they take care of the opponents that you're supposed to beat. You were, what, a 10-point favorite on the road, and they dominated. The Bears' defense was supposed to dominate that game even without Cleo Mack. They, they dominated, and, and that's what I, you know, kind of harp on is that, yeah, I think this is kind of a positive step in the right direction for this defense after, you know, th- laying that egg against uh, Miami, then kind of being a little pedestrian against the Patriots. They did look better against Sam Darnold and the Jets, but, you know, this was one of those games where they put their stamp on it. They dominated, um, and it, very easily in the first, you know, the first quarter you could see, the Bears came out on offense, and Trubisky had that bad play where he fumbled the ball. He's very lucky to recover it. But even then, like, I wasn't worried because you look at the Bills' first two drives, and it was nothing. Nathan Peterman could do nothing. Like, it, he had no chance back there. And, and you could see it was clear as day they weren't going to move the football. Their best chance of moving the football was somehow getting the ball to LaShawn McCoy in space, and they couldn't do that. I mean, they got they're thrown to Kelvin Benjamin – uh, Charles Clay got hurt, so they really they had their backup tight end. Um, I, to be honest, I couldn't even name another wide receiver off the Bills. Essentially, you know, coming off that game, but I liked what I saw. And go back to the Trubisky point was he did make a lot of good throws on third down. I thought um, on the first drive he hit, I believe it was Anthony Miller, and then he hit Taylor Gabriel a couple third downs later. Um, I thought both those were pretty good balls. And then the one I love, his pro- arguably, I'd say his, one of his best throws of the year was a third down, second quarter, where he hit Trey Burton. I want to say it was third and 15, and he hit him for a 25, 30-yard gain. And he put that ball right on the money. And while he had, he had good throws, he also had the very bad overthrow on the interception. Um, and then he had one, it was a third down, I want to say it was a second quarter as well. And it was third and eight, and he went to his first read only. And he stared down Taylor Gabriel to the sideline on a one-yard route that barely, you know, got past the sticks and overthrew him. And if you watched as that play developed, you would have saw Anthony Miller was on like a kind of a corner route, and as that play developed, he was wide open, and all he had to be was Jordan Poyer for a touchdown. And so very well could have been a touchdown, but you know, going in after that game now. The Bears have a chance, and like we've said, they, they've put themselves in a position to kind of end that narrative where they can't win the game to kind of keep this thing going. And, and this upcoming game, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. It's a home game. You should protect Soldier Field, and if you do, you're going to be sitting in good shape at 6-3. and three. Well, and here's the big reason why this game just got much more exciting, I think, for a lot of fans. And... This is probably something you can speak on. I mean, you were at practice today, and uh, you know you were able to see a little bit of practice, and then you know get the injury report. So why don't you go ahead and break it, break down the the good news for all the Bears faithful? Yeah. So the good news Aaron's talking about is literally everyone is healthy except for one player, and Deion Sims is in concussion protocol. But Matt Nagy did announce today that he said before practice when we got our chance to talk to him, Cleo Mack, Allen Robinson, Bilal Nichols. Um, ben Broniker and the big one, Adam Shaheen, were all expected to practice Wednesday at House Hall. We were out there. I saw all of them out there practicing. Um, 
we get about 10 to 12 minutes, sometimes 15 if we're lucky, and most of the time it's, it's usually stretching and warm-ups and then a little special teams. And then as just as they're getting into the individual stuff, we get to um, we pretty much get escorted out. Um, but yeah, they were all out there. Um, the the one thing that I, that I took away from practice is Khalil Mack looked 100%. He didn't look like that ankle was bothering him at all. And he was out there in, in the warm-ups running, uh, in the individual drills, a little part of it we got to saw. It didn't look like that, you know, that ankle was uh, bothering him at all. Well, see, that's 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 why I wanted you to kind of break this down because I mean you're there, you get to see this stuff, and I mean you texted me earlier and, and said that stuff about Cleo Mack. And I was like, yes, I mean this is this is the run, and this is why them sitting uh, them sitting Allen Robinson and Cleo Mack for these last two games made so much sense because ultimately the Bears were at a point in the season they were three and three, right? They needed the games, but at the same time, it's one of those situations where. If your two best players, you know, on you know, or your best receiver and then your best defensive player, maybe your best player overall. I mean, that's really how the pain and that's what they traded for him to be, whatever it may be. But the point being here is if you can't win games with those guys off the field, then what makes you think you're gonna be able to win those game those games with these guys on the field at fifty or sixty percent? Because really that's what they were playing at. I mean, when they lost to Miami, uh Cleo Mack was obviously not the same in the second half. I, I didn't really see much from Allen Robinson that really, you know, shocked me too much. But then in the New England game, uh, Robinson was just not good, and obviously neither was Cleo Mack. I mean, it was just evident that they weren't healthy. So the Bears kind of, you know, put their cojones on the table and said, "All right, you know, we're three and three. We know we got to get to five and three. We 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 know we got to give ourselves a shot in the second half of the season." But we're going to sit our two best players and have faith in the fact that we can come out here and beat teams that we're supposed to beat. And that's exactly what they did. Now, we fast forward here. We're in week 10, right? We, we, and just, just to kind of break this down, in, in case you're, you haven't been paying attention, you're living under a rock, whatever it may be, uh, the Bears got flexed next, next Sunday night. They got flexed into the Sunday night uh, slot against the, the Vikings at home. So, Ultimately, what's going to happen here is the Bears have the Lions on Sunday, a noon game, you know, all good. And then they're going to go and they're going to play the Vikings at home uh, again at Soldier Field Sunday night. The issue with this is, and, and as fun as it is to have a Sunday night game against a divisional opponent for first place, the issue here is they play a Sunday night game. And they turn right around and they play. I think it's uh, what is it, eleven thirty Central is when they when they play the yeah. the Lions Thanksgiving. So I mean, they yeah. have less than what is it like an eighty less than eighty hours to turn around something weird like that. So this is this is a big stretch. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. And we're kind of at a situation right now where the Bears, I would say at bare minimum, have to go two and one. Ideally, you want to beat Detroit once. If you're going to go two and one, you want to beat Detroit once. You want to beat the Vikings once. Because if you beat the Vikings and you beat Detroit, let's just say you win the, and you're going to be sitting at, you're going to be sitting a game and a half in front of the Vikings, and you pretty much put Detroit out of the race. I mean, they got some tough games coming up. Um, but I mean, bare minimum two and one, three and zero would be ideal. But it all starts with this game coming up on Sunday, and having your players healthy, having them ready to go. Uh, your best players especially, is, is going to be big. And you're going against a team right now in the Lions who are going in the exact opposite direction. They got themselves a 3-3. Three and three. It looked like, okay, maybe this team's for real. Uh, they beat the Packers. They beat the, the the Patriots. 
And then they kind of fell off a cliff. They traded, you know, they they've lost two in a row. They traded away Golden Tate, and here we are looking at a three and five Lions team who looks like they're on the verge of absolutely exploding. Yeah, the Lions are a mess, and that's kind of that's kind of like putting it lightly right now. Um, you know, to kind of go back to that injury thing, though, I it's refreshing because, like you said, you you went two and zero with Cleo Mack and Allen Robinson out. Um, it kind of bought you. It was almost in a way, two bye weeks for them. And uh, the other guy, you know, I think a lot of people should be really excited for returning, uh, tight end Adam Shaheen. He was out there at practice today. Uh, I didn't get to see him move around in any individual drills. What they did was when the special teams was going on, they did have um, quarterbacks kind of throwing passes and warming up. And Shaheen was the only tight end, wide receiver, or running back, you know, out there catching passes. He was standing still. It was Kind of more of a thing where he, they would throw four quick passes at him, he'd stand still, catch them. Um, and then when they went to individual drills, it wasn't anything, to be honest, worth noting. Uh, but, you know, the return of Adam Shahid, I think it opens up a little more for this offense, just because we saw throughout training camp and in even the preseason, he was pretty good in the red zone. Um, in training camp, he was dominating in the red zone every single time and every rep, and he was going over, you know, safeties, he was going up over linebackers, anyone, defensive backs, anyone that was guard him, he was winning that one-on-one battle. And, you know, to give Trubisky a big target in that red zone is only, you know, going to benefit this offense. Uh, I, I I know I talked to you about this, and you said you don't think he'll play this week. Um, I wouldn't be sh- shocked if he played this week. I don't think he will, but if it comes out Sunday where they're like, okay, he's ready to go, he's full speed ahead, it wouldn't shock me. I think they're probably going to hold it off um, to, to that Sunday night game against the Vikings. But that also brings up something that if he plays Sunday night against the Vikings, do you think he, with that quick turnaround, you think he plays right away against the Lions? Uh, you know, that that's a good question. And that's something that they're going to have to figure out because, I, yeah, I would be, personally, I'd be surprised. And this is going up no insider information, whatever it may be. I just, I, uh, I don't know. I, I it just it's it's hard for me to see him being good to go. I, I think if he does play Sunday, I think it'll be a very very minimal. I'd say probably ten or fifteen snaps. Um, and then I think this is kind of going to be a, a you know a process, you know. And, and I know a lot of people kind of looking at this. Deion Sims is in concussion protocol right now. Uh, ben Broniker is out of concussion protocol, and they got Daniel Brown. So right now they have at least three healthy tight ends. They can get away with that. In my personal opinion, if Deion Sims didn't see the field for the rest of the year, I don't think it would hurt them at all. I actually think it might have helped him a little bit. I mean, he's been he's been terrible. I mean, he's terrible as a pass catcher. I don't think he's been worth anything as a blocker. Maybe a run blocker, but definitely not a pass blocker. Uh, so I think I think it's going to be one more one of those situations where I think you're going to see him come back or you know make his season debut against the Vikings, and I think he'll play. I, I would say you know let's just say 20 snaps. And then I think you're going to see a situation where they're probably going to play it a little safe. Um, and, you know, I, I, I could see probably another 15 or 20 snaps against the Lions. And then you're going to have that kind of that mini bye week. And then I think that's where things are really going to ramp up. And, I mean, they've all along, they've won the design of, of having that kind of that three tight end uh, rotation that they have. And I think ultimately that's probably what it's going to end up coming down to. But I, I, I think that you're going to see Deion Sims on the field less and less as this thing goes on. But, I mean, I think you're absolutely 100% right that this is a big addition for the Bears offense. The Bears offense is, is 
is starting to gain traction. They've been a little inconsistent, whatever it may be. But getting a guy like Adam Shaheen back, especially in the red zone, and I think some people forget how good he was in key situations last year on third down. I mean, he's somebody that you can really rely on, and he's hard He's hard to match anybody one-on-one against because he's he's decently athletic, but he's huge. You don't want a smaller corner. You don't want a nickel corner covering him. Uh, I don't think you really want a linebacker covering him because I don't think many can stick with him. And, you know, you talk about, you know, who are you going to put on him? So I think he's absolutely a mismatch that they, they could use, and especially with a combo of him and Trey Burton. Trey Burton's a smaller guy, the faster guy, kind of more of a receiver. I think having those two guys on the field at the same time is going to be absolutely big. I just don't know if it's going to be particularly this this Sunday or not. Yeah, that's something we're going to have to keep our eye on throughout the week and, and see how it progresses in practice and um, you know up leading up to game day when they do announce the inactives ninety minutes before. Uh, kind of back to that you know that whole two and zero with the Mac and and Robinson sitting out those games. I just. I, like you said earlier, getting that big win against Buffalo, I mean, that was just so key because you can't, you couldn't afford a blunder there. You couldn't afford to go 4-4. Four and four. Um, You know, moving forward, Matt Nagy talked about it today. He did say, you know, this is a, this is a test. This These three games, 11 days, you got two and 80 hours when you play a Sunday night game against Minnesota, then you play the Thursday morning game against the Lions on Thanksgiving. This is good. This is the biggest test so far for Matt Nagy. It is young career. I mean, the game against Green Bay week one, that was a huge test. But now you're in position. You're in position to make a run here. And in the NFC North, you know, not a lot of people are talking about this. If the Bears don't win the division, it's going to be tough because, you know, you have a couple teams that are kind of at the top that are just kind of just hanging around like a team like Carolina or a team like Atlanta because it looks like the Saints are going to run away with the NFC South. Um, and then you have, you know, Carolina and Atlanta who could essentially – be a big part in the Bears not making a wild card. So getting these divisional games under your belt and, and beating, you know, Detroit at home, beating Minnesota at home, that that would be huge these next two weeks. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that it's it's one of those situations where if the Bears finish ten and six, and that's kind of the thing because they've got their AFC games out of the way. If the Bears finish ten and six, they're going to have an eight four conference record, and normally that would be pretty good. But unfortunately, when you have Sometimes you're going to have situations where maybe both teams have eight four conference records. Let's just say, for example, let's say the Minnesota beats them out by a half game. However, that happens. The Bears finish ten and six, and the Falcons finish ten and six because of the Falcons' strength of schedule. Because they play in a better division, because of who they played, they very well could end up having a tiebreaker over the Bears because they may have the same conference record, but, you know, when all the other tiebreakers go and, you know, everything happens, then strength of victory is going to be the next thing there. And the Bears have, I think, the worst strength of victory uh, of any current playoff team right now or projected playoff team. So, I mean, it's definitely a factor. I think ultimately, like I said, ideally, I think over the next three games, uh, you want to go 3 now. Uh, but I, you know, that would that would be the the absolute ideal situation right now. But I just, if at least for me, I look at this and I say, okay, you know, if you can win the two home games, right? You could, if you can beat, I think obviously beating Minnesota is a big one. But if you can beat Detroit and then you can beat Minnesota and then you know see what happens on Thanksgiving because you're going to be coming off a short week just like uh, Detroit is. It's going to be a little bit shorter than what Detroit's got going on, but. 
it, it's just one of those situations where it's it's like anything. It's it's very hard to beat a team twice in that in that in that span. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think that this is this is a very good test for the Bears because. For as exciting as this has been, and I, it, you know, it, it, I kind of hate to say this, but for as exciting as has been, and for as much as I've been wanting this to happen, I would much rather if the Bears are not a playoff team or not a playoff contender or just not at that caliber yet, I would much rather them get weeded out right now and save me the heartbreak in December of watching them, let's say, you know, lose in week 16 or 17 and then somehow miss the playoffs due to a tiebreaker or fall apart and lose the last two or three games of the season. You know, I'd rather. If if they're gonna fall apart, I'd rather see it happen now. I'd rather them, you know, lose to Detroit twice or you know Minnesota once and in Detroit once, and then you know, I mean, they'll at that point uh, they would be what six and five, and at the it's just it's not looking good for them. You know, it's just really that simple. So uh, I mean, it's 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 a big stretch coming up, but I mean this this game on Sunday is big, man. The the Lions are trending in one direction, the Bears are trending in another. This is a game at Soldier Field. The Bears are one and nine in the last ten games against the Lions. They have three wins in the last uh, the three wins in the last well, really three plus years against the NFC North. If the Bears are going to make it to the playoffs, they have to at least split within the division. There's been three teams since 2010 who have gone basically uh, worse than three and three and made it to the playoffs, and none of those teams have won in the division. So the Bears absolutely have to get things on track, and I think within the division, but I think that this is going to be a prime opportunity for them to do so. The, the, the Lions are struggling. Uh, they've had two games where they just have not looked good at all. Um, and I mean, this is just, this is, this is it. This is when they need to capitalize. This is when they need to, you know, get that first division win under your belt. Uh, you know, next weekend's going to be a big stage, but like Matt Nagy said, it all starts with this game right here. This is when things get real. Yeah. And to cut to that point, um, the Bears have been pretty bad against the division, um, you know, during the John Fox era and ever since the Trustman era was went downhill. And last year, 0-6 against the NFC North. Um, they lost their only game this year against the NFC North when they lost week one to Green Bay. Um, you did talk about the whole, what, 1-9 against the Lions in the last 10 games. That That's pretty unbelievable. I know the Bears have been bad against the Lions, but it just, man, 1-9 and nine, in, in what five seasons is just yeah not good and, and someday you know you kind of have that chance and not only to change or to keep the path of your season still going and where you want it but you know we always talk about that culture change around this locker room and how Matt Nagy's just got this whole new culture in this locker room well a big culture change would be winning divisional games and getting that going and and, and do by doing so if you can come away you know even three and oh I mean you're guaranteed to not have a losing record in the division if you win these next three. Um, but with that said, let's let's preview our uh, upcoming game here this week. And we did welcome in um, Kent Platty as a special guest. He writes for Pride of Detroit. Um, he joined us for a – it was about a 15, 16-minute interview and to give us kind of an insight on the Lions from you know the opponent's point of view. And he kind of had that similar thought, Aaron, that you did where uh, they're kind of trending down and it's kind of a mess. But um, – We'll let the uh, listeners get in that one. Um, enjoy this interview. It's uh, Kent Platty from Pride of Detroit. And we're get joined by a special guest, Kent Platty of Pride of Detroit. He covers the Detroit Lions for the SB Nation site, does a great job. He's here to give me and Aaron some uh, insight into Sunday's matchup. Uh, welcome on, Welcome on, Kent. Thanks, man. Glad to be on. 
Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for coming on. Uh, we like to, you know, kind of have a guest every week on the podcast, kind of help break down and give, give you know, the, the upcoming game a look from, you know, the opponent's eyes. And obviously this one is, this one's kind of a big one for both teams. And, you know, they're going to play each other twice in 11 days. What's the mood kind of like in, in Detroit around the team? Well, I, you know, I, I told you I just got back from vacation. And when I left for vacation, it was before the Seattle game and everything was nice and rosy and wonderful and then i come back and and now everything's terrible and then the the wheels are falling off and everybody's gonna get fired one person's already been fired it's it's a little dark right this moment now it's interesting that you say that because it i'm kind of curious because obviously the bears and the the lions are in similar situations in terms of having first year head coaches so i i'm kind of curious i mean is is all this hysteria and all that stuff because i mean i get it you know, three and five is is not ideal, uh, but there was a decent amount of changes in Detroit. I mean, is is this a situation where possibly Matt Patricia or anybody else's jobs on the line, or is this just more disappointment? Fire everybody because we're upset. I think it's disappointment. You know, J- Jim Caldwell wasn't a great coach, and he was never going to take the Lions anywhere. He he had four years to get something going with the offensive line. He was given nothing but tools, and our offensive line was terrible. And the scheme was awful, and the running game was terrible. So he was he was let go, but the Lions were still nine and seven before they before he got cut or got fired. And they were they're going from a winning franchise that fires a winning coach, and then they hire a new coach. People expect him to win right away. Uh, I don't think any of us foresaw exactly how much turnover was needed on this roster, and I don't think we really we really underestimated how bad the depth was on the team. I mean, we we knew we had a lot of holes. But we didn't think the depth was as bad as it is, and it's it's still really bad. You know, from an outsider's view, that the trade deadline, the Bears really didn't do much. They really didn't have to do much because, you know, their big acquisition came with Khalil Mack before the season started. But, I mean, Detroit made a move to send Golden Tate out. And from kind of my eyes, I I, I see it as, okay, he was probably wasn't going to resign after this year. They at least got a pick back for him. What was kind of gen- the general thought around that move? Well, you had a, you got it really split from the fan base because a lot of people are already mad because they lost the last two games. So, so moving on from Tate uh, before the most recent loss, you know, everybody was like, oh, they're mailing in the season. They're just they're just throwing it all away now. Uh, but it really does come back to compensation. It's it's just as simple as they weren't going they weren't going to be able to re-sign him uh, after the season. They were looking at p- potentially getting a, a third round pick in 2020 maybe a fourth-round pick if Tate somehow got less on the market. But looking at a third- or fourth-round pick in 2020 for a comp pick, which if they sign somebody, that comp pick's probably gone. So they got a, a, a compensatory pick for it or got a, a regular third-round pick instead of a, a possible compensatory pick out of it. Um, and, you know, it's from a guy that was going to leave anyway. And it's funny because now we're looking at, at him not sticking around with the Eagles, but he was really close to signing with the Lions before the Lions traded him. Uh, so there's that, that potential that they could have got a third-round pick out of it, and he might come back to Detroit. That's an interesting point. And I thought it was interesting, though, that you brought up, too, You know, because there's a lot of people, especially Bears fans, that are sitting there thinking, oh, well, the Lions are mailing it in. And honestly, I mean, even from the Packers' perspective, when they traded HaHa Clinton-Dix and you know Ty Montgomery, which isn't a big deal – I didn't really see it that way with either team because, you know, for as much as, I mean, and I'm sure you've seen it, and I mean, we've gone back and forth a little bit just giving each other crap, but, you know, as fun as it is to go back and forth between the two fan bases, you know, Lions and Bears and blah, 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 
I do think the Lions have a good team. I mean, they've they've had some good success. I'm I'm a bigger Matt Stafford fan than most. Uh, but speaking of that, um, last week, I mean, it, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I thought I, I thought the the Lions had a decent chance of of winning the game against Minnesota. Uh, didn't get a chance to watch it until after the game was over because the Bears were playing as well. But it kind of surprised me a little bit, um, especially the the ten sacks. I mean, I I know Minnesota's got a good defense and they they've got a bevy of pass rushers, especially with Everson Griffin back. But do you think that this is going to be an issue uh, come Sunday? I mean, the Bears should have Khalil Mack back. They've been kind of struggling a little bit getting to the the quarterback, but it, it seems like they're kind of getting things back online. I mean, do you think this will be an issue uh, for the Lions' offensive line and Matt Stafford on Sunday? I think it's going to be an issue. The, the As I mentioned before, the depth is really bad on the team. Um, what happened last week is that uh, TJ Lang, of course, has been dealing with injury. He's always dealing with some kind of injury. But the Lions have been putting him on a pitch count, uh, and they've been pulling him out for a couple of drives. And all that does to an opposing defense, especially a Mike Zimmer-ran defense, is says, hey, guess where your rushers are going to be going this play, right? So... You know, Lang goes out and we get Kenny Wiggins in there. He's awful. He he was only he was in for five of the Lions' ten sacks, and four of them were either directly or indirectly his fault. So, it's uh he's bad. And what made it worse is that you know you can you can account for one guy on your line having issues, right? You can you can swing protection over, but uh, left ta- left tackle Taylor Decker was also injured and has been dealing with injury. And the Lions were trying to cover him up while trying to cover up the right guard position. And it's just impossible to try to cover two gaping holes that big when you don't really have anybody that can even marginally cover that, that hole. So the Lions were trying a bunch of different things, and, and they, they kept trying to run their, their longer developing plays. Uh, their offensive line has been a strength this season, so they've, they've had the luxury of running plays that require a little more time to develop. Uh, but once they didn't have time, you know, it was a combination of not having the time and then still trying to run plays that you you thought you could run before, and it w- it just fell apart. And Stafford got very frustrated. He it, it was his worst game of the season. He, I I would wager it's right right on par with his opening game against the Jets. He didn't throw any picks in this one, but you know it was it was bad. He he was off off target. He was he was rattled the whole game. Uh, and that's going to be the same thing if the Lions don't have an answer for it. And with, with Lang still injured and Decker still injured, it's going to be a problem unless the Lions can figure something out. Yeah, that was going to bring me to my next point. Uh, I did see the Lions injury report for Wednesday. How healthy do you expect them to be? Because there's some pretty big names on there. I, I believe Darius Slay did not practice today. And you mentioned Lang and Decker. So, you know, how healthy do you expect them to be? Do you see any of those three not playing? Oh, they're they're on a razor's edge when it comes to injuries right now. Uh, Taylor Decker is playing injured, and we saw how that went last week. You know, TJ Lang always plays injured and is has been on a pitch count even when he's been healthy, and it's been a pretty big disaster. Every play that he goes out is is a problem. Darius Slay, I think he's been hurt in every single game this year, and it, it's either something different or it's something recurring. But he's had a, at least one concussion this season, and he's had a couple of ankle injuries that keep keep popping up. But he's just been dinged up. And if if the Bears are smart, they're just going to not throw at Slay at all. They're just going to throw at everybody else in the line secondary because the, everybody else is really bad. 
Um, it, it comes back to the the chief problem on the Lions right now with their roster is that they have a ton of really good pieces. And you have Darius Slay on defense. You have Damon Harrison, who was their highest rated player for the last two games. They, they, they traded for him from the Giants. Um, he's fantastic. Deshaun Hand, their fourth round rookie this year, has been the highest rated rookie. I don't know if he still is. This He had a bad week this past week. But up until this past week, he was the highest rated rookie defender in the entire NFL for any round, any position. So he's been playing really well. Um but despite having good players like that on defense, their defense is getting crushed because they don't have anybody that can set the edge. And any time that um, Ricky Jean-Francois or one of their reserve defensive linemen was on the line, they just get gashed, and their their linebackers aren't great. Uh, their safety, Glover Quinn, it's amazing. You'll hear all of the Pride of Detroit guys talk about it if you've talked to him about Quinn. But Quinn has been amazing for the past several years, and he just fell off a cliff this year. He's just been terrible, and it. it's awful to see because he's, he's a huge fan favorite. He's a great guy, and he's been so good and so underrated for years, and now it's just like watching him run in sand. And the Lions' depth is getting challenged every week, and, and it's just frustrating with where the roster is at because you can see the talent that they have, and you can see where they should be, but the holes that they have are so big and so gaping that it's so easy to exploit their defense and it's easy to shut them down in various degrees on offense because the holes are there and they're, they're just easy to, to go through. Well, you said uh, about not throw to Darius Slay's side, and I kind of agree with that because I think he had two picks against Trubisky last season when they played on that uh, yeah. Saturday afternoon, whatever, matinee. But the guy I was really interested in coming out of the draft a couple of years back, and I liked what I saw from him out of Florida, what the heck has happened to Tease Tabor? So I've never been a big Tease Tabor fan, but even even my grade on him, I, I had a mid-round grade on him. So picking him the second, I was not too happy with. But even my grade seems high right now, <laughs> and, and that wasn't a very high grade, right? Um, he's been really bad. I don't have enough adjectives to explain how bad he's been. He's He was on the, he was on the field for 14 snaps, just to tell you, tell you exactly how bad. He was on the field for 14 snaps against the Vikings, just 14. Uh, on those, he had two penalties, and he had four catches on four targets for 69 yards. That's only on 14 snaps. Yikes. That's a, that's a lot of damage for only 14 snaps in the game. It seemed like he played the whole game with, with how much he was getting beat. And it's just he's not, he's not fast or explosive enough to play with anyone. I mean, he got outran by, was it Chad Beebe? I don't even know his first name. I know it's, I know he's, what's his name, Don Beebe or whatever his oh, name yeah. is. Oh, yeah, he's the guy that so literally pulled off the practice squad. Right? Yes, yeah. pulled off the practice squad, undrafted free agent, and he and he ran like a four six nine or some crap, and he torched T's Tabor. And then Tabor got beat with speed by Kyle Rudolph, and while Rudolph is a good tight end, he's not that fast, and you shouldn't be getting beaten that fast. And Tabor had a penalty on that play and still gave up the catch to him. Uh, he's just been really bad, and it's it's frustrating to watch any second-round pick struggle that bad. But my hope is that he doesn't see any snaps against the Bears. So, Well, I, yeah, I, that was one of the things that really stood out to me. And the reason it stood out to me was actually because you pointed it out on Twitter. And I, I think I'm almost positive it was, it was either you or you retweeted uh, those numbers that you just talked about. And it's like, man, you know, and I was a big fan of Tabor, too. I I won't lie, I soured a little bit. I know you're the same way because you're a big, big draft guy. I mean, you were the creator of the the Raz numbers. I mean, right. and when when you see a guy, especially corner, as slow as he was when he tested, it's like, oh man. But 
I, I definitely expected better, but I, you know, we're kind of keeping you a little bit past here. So I, I just want to kind of get your keys to the game because I have my own thoughts and I'm sure we'll probably talk about this after, uh, after we, you know, have you on and all that stuff, but what are your keys or key, whatever it may be, uh, for the Lions to, to beat the Bears. I mean, they're they're seven-point underdog right now, but I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. A lot of Bears fans think this is going to be kind of a runaway, and if there's anything that we've seen over the last few years, it's been the fact that, uh, you know, the, these games have been pretty close, and, and the Lions have absolutely had the upper hand. So what do you think it's going to take for the Lions to beat the Bears on Sunday? They're, the Lions, have they have to stay healthy. And and I know that's one of the things they they don't they can't really control. But if the lion the lions, as I said, they're they're on a very thin edge when it comes to injuries. If Darius Slay goes down, or if Decker is not able to play any better than he did last week, they're going to be in a lot of trouble really fast. Um, so the biggest key for the lions is just not getting in a hole. They d- they just can't let themselves get into a hole early. If the Bears score on their first drive, or if the Lions turn it over early and the Bears score off of it, the Lions are going to get into a pretty deep hole pretty fast, and they're just not ready at this moment they're not healthy enough uh they're they're still dealing with some schematic things they're trying to work with after getting rid of tate they're just not built right this moment to get out of that kind of hole like they have been in the past i mean that's always been their forte right fall behind catch up in the second half and you know have some great stafford comeback uh but they're just not built for that right now and it's 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 not how they're usually running so they they just can't get into a hole that's going to be the big keys for them um, on the opposite side of the field, you know, the Bears, all they got to do is take advantage of the weaknesses the Lions have on defense. If if Trubisky, Trubisky should have a bounce back game this year. I know I know he's had a couple of bad, bad games, but he should have a pretty big bounce back game against the Lions as long as he stays clear, clear of slay. Uh, Nevin Lawson has been his normal. Nevin Lawson is weird because he'll cover really well, but he'll still give up the catch. Like he's always right there, right next to the ball. Sometimes he even gets his hand on the ball, but he still allows everybody to catch everything. Uh, Tabor's been giving everything up, like I said. Deshaun Shedd has been playing a little bit. He's actually not been playing that bad, but they aren't giving him as many snaps. Um, Glover Quinn, as I said, he's been struggling with his speed. Um, if, if the Bears start to target the Lions secondary quick and early and they avoid Slay while doing it, they should be able to get ahead on the Lions. And then, you know, my final thing before I let you go, how good is Kerryon Johnson? I mean, I liked him as a rookie coming out in this draft, but... Uh, I haven't really seen a lot of them to say, oh my God, I'm like I'm in love with them or anything, but how good is he? And, you know, this Bears defense, rush defense has been pretty damn good. So what what can, you know, the Lions do to kind of put Carrion in better spots? So Carrion, I, I had him, I think, as my RB5 or 6 coming out of the draft. So I wasn't super high. A lot of that had to do with his shoulders, with health. But, oh, man, I tell you, I've watched a lot of running backs in training camp, and I've never really gotten excited about them. You know, you get excited about the prospects of having some kind of run game, right? But I haven't really been excited about any running back that I've seen in camp until I got to carry on Johnson because he's so explosive. And I, I know I'll give you the easiest example I can think of because I got stuck on it and I could never get it out of my head. But he reminds me a lot of Matt Forte when, when Forte first started breaking out. Because Forte was the same way. He was a patient runner. He was explosive through through holes. He had really good vision. He was good out of the backfield catching the football. Johnson's the same way. The, o- the only real weakness that he's shown so far is that he's not a great pass protector. But, you know, d- darn, that's almost every rookie in history, right? But he's he's dangerous. And he's got breakaway speed. He's got really, he's so explosive out of his cuts. 
the the biggest issue right now is that the blocking hasn't been there the last couple of weeks. So if the Bears can continue to bottle him up that way, they should be able to contain him. And if the Bears get out ahead, as I said, then the Lions are going to abandon the run game early because that's just what they do. They abandon the run game if they're behind. So he's dangerous. If the Lions are keeping it close and carry on Johnson getting a lot of touches, that's going to be a problem for the Bears. Well, Kent, uh, we really appreciate your insight, and thank you for joining us and uh, kind of previewing this game upcoming on Sunday. Appreciate you guys having me. Always, yeah, always a pleasure. Where can uh, we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at MathBomb. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm always talking about measurements in the draft, as you mentioned. Of course, the Lions. And a little bit of smack talk here and there in the <laughs> NFC North. <laughs> perfect, perfect. We love it. Once again, that's Kent Platty from uh, Pride of Detroit. Thanks again, man. All right, man. Have a good one. And welcome back. Once again, that was our interview with Kent Platty, who writes for Pride of Detroit. He does a really good job covering the Detroit Lions, the Bears' next opponent here in Week 10. That was some good stuff, Aaron. What would you think? I, I, I agree. I, I think, uh, you know, very, very objective uh, point of view there. I mean, you know, it, it, it's some people who follow me on Twitter know, you know, we I go back and forth with Lions fans quite a bit. It's all in good fun. Uh, I mean, Kent and I have, have gone back and forth with each other. Just like I said, it's all in good fun. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of in one of those positions right now where I do think that the Lions are trending downward. I absolutely believe it. Just for the season, I, I still think they have a decent team. But it's it's also one of those one of those things for me where I need to see it to believe it with the Bears. And for as favorable as this game is, a, as we're recording this right now, I think they're seven point uh, favorites in this game. Uh, for as favorable as this game is, and for as much as they should win the game, I just don't think this is going to be as easy as a lot of people do. I, I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. I think Detroit's probably going to play the best game that they played in quite a while. And the Bears can't commit the 14 or 13 or 14 penalties that they did. I mean, they've got to play clean football. And I, I think this is kind of one of those situations where the Bears have been inconsistent. We talked about that earlier. The Bears have kind of come out and not and not everything has clicked i think really the only game this season that everything has clicked for them was the the tampa bay game where they won that obviously in a, in a big fashion but i think they need at least two of the three phases to click and that other phase to at least be moderate moderately average i, I really think that's that's how this thing is going to have to go so i just man it's I'm, you know, we'll get to our predictions a little bit. I, I do feel confident enough that the Bears are going to win, but I think this is going to be a pretty stressful game for Bears fans. Uh, I'm kind of curious to get your keys to the game, then I'll give you mine, and then we could do predictions and we can get out of here. But, do, I mean, do you share the same feelings that this is going to be a little bit closer? Or do you think this is going to be another game where maybe it starts off close and then the Bears just blow them out and we're, we're talking about another blowout win next week? Yeah, I'm kind of with you where I think it's going to be a little more nerve-wracking than – I kind of expected it to be. Uh, I, I That mood's just kind of changed over the past week and a half or so. I thought if Chicago could get by Buffalo and dominate, I'd feel a little better. But, you know, as this week's kind of gone on and I'm settling in, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just I'm kind of used to, like, the Bears being, you know, disappointing in key games they need to win. Um, I don't I don't think the Bears are going to run away with it. Um, I do think Detroit will be a little better than what they were against Minnesota and I think there's going to be those times where it's going to be a little nerve-wracking, and maybe early on, maybe you know Detroit comes out, punches them in the mouth early on, and kind of takes the home crowd out of it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I just you know the bottom line is the Bears have are going to have to get a win. They're going to have to find out you know find a way to protect home field advantage and Soldier Field. 
uh, get that win and feel good about themselves leading out. I I will say, you know, being in that locker room, the the atmosphere and the mood right now is it's a definitely a positive one. This team is very positive what they can do. They know what they can do. They know that they probably are better than the Lions, but at the same time, they know you can't overlook the Lions, just like they couldn't overlook the Bills, just like they couldn't overlook the Jets. And now getting into those divisional games, you kind of see them. They're going to ramp it up a little bit. I think practice is going to get you know go a little better this week, a little more not juice, but you know you know a little more amped up. Um, you are go you know are coming into this big divisional stretch, but. From the guys I talked to today in the locker room, they all, you know, it's another game. It's just, you know, we're focused on Detroit. It doesn't mean that much more than any other game. It still counts as one. We're focused on getting our job done. So I like to see that, though. I'm very encouraged by that. Yeah, I I, I think that that's definitely the right mindset to have uh, for a game like this because, I mean, you can't. It's like Matt Nagy early in the early in the week. I mean, you were there. I mean, you know, he he was asked, you know, his thought about the playoffs, and he said, "Well, you know, we're not thinking playoffs. This is week ten. Like, where this is halfway through the season. We're going in the ninth game of the season. If we're talking playoffs right now, if we're thinking playoffs, then then we're in trouble. We're we're in the wrong mindset. And I I think that's absolutely the right mindset to have because the Bears have when you when you look at their schedule coming up. All right, they have they have Detroit twice they have uh they also have the the giants right after they get done playing detroit and then they also have the 49ers i mean those are four those are games that normally i would say they should probably go four and during those i'm going to give them a little bit of slack and just say because they play detroit two times in in such a short period of time i i do think that one and one within that series would be acceptable but ultimately my mindset is this i think they need to split within the division and it all starts this week and it's kind of one of those things i mean we we just went through it right so we we talked in the in the in the second half of the season how you know they they need to a good start and ideally you'd like to see them go three and one and ultimately i think they should have gone three and one i think they should have beat miami um, obviously that didn't happen. That's one of those games like every team's had this year where you probably should win the game and you don't do it. But now it's kind of one of those situations where we just watched them go through a spell where they absolutely needed to go two and two to even have a shot at the playoffs going into these final eight games. And it was nerve wracking because we're sitting here watching this team. They lose two in a row right off the bat. So you're thinking, okay, well they've absolutely got to win the next two games. And even though it was against the jets, and even though it was against uh, the Bills, it's one of those situations where you're sitting there thinking, like, is one of these games a trap game? Are they going to blow one of these games? Do they win these games? So I think really what I'm getting at here is, is this, is that they need to come out and, you know, you look at this from a quarter of a season perspective, game by game, whatever it may be. I'm looking at this as quarter of the season. They need to go 3-1 and one within the stretch. How they get there, I don't really care. But I do think it would absolutely 100% benefit them to say, okay, we have a win in Detroit. Hopefully, they win in Minnesota as well. But we have sorry, we have a win uh, in Chicago. Now we're going to go to Detroit on Thanksgiving on a short week. If we lose, we lose. We have the Giants next week. But we've already got two games under our belt. We need to go three and one. We're already, you know, we we just need one more win. And I think there, there's definitely a a lack of pressure going into that Detroit game versus if they go in one and one of that <clears throat> one and one of that game right there during this four game stretch. And it's you're looking at a must win in Detroit on a short week. So I just I think this is a big game. I'm not going to say it's a must win because I don't think it is a must win, but I think it's a big game. And at least when I look at my key to this game, it really comes down to one thing. And I and I think it's going to go on both sides of the ball. I think the Bears have to stop the run. I, I think that's the big thing. You look at last week, 
Carry uh, on Johnson in the five losses that the the Lions have had this year. Carry on Johnson has rushed for less than 35 yards per game on average, right? And uh, you know, a big reason for that is the fact that Matt Stafford's had to sit there and pass the ball. Jim Bob Cooter is an offensive coordinator who's always been pass happy. He always has, regardless if he had running backs or not, he's just a pass happy offensive coordinator. And I think that plays into the Bears' advantage, especially with getting Cleo Mack back this week. You're going to have your pass rushers. This is a defense that when Cleo Mack was healthy, they had 18 sacks in four games. They're averaging four and a half sacks a game. Matt Stafford just got sacked 10 times against the Vikings. I think the Bears have a pretty formidable front against a team like the, you know, uh, like the Vikings. So, I think limiting the run on the Bears' part, which they've done a very good job of this year, is going to be key, especially carry on Johnson. I think on the other side of the ball, getting the run game going is going to be big for the Bears as well. And I know uh, Ken has kind of highlighted a little bit how the you know the the secondary hasn't been that great, but I think that the Bears could do themselves a lot of favor. Uh, if they could just get their running game going. I think a lot of that's going to be outside zone. I think running the outside instead of running you know, straight in the Damon Harrison is never a good idea. So you run outside zone, you get the running game going, you get that established, and you pick them apart in the passing game. But I think really the run game on both sides, controlling the run on the defensive side and establishing run on the offensive side, I think that's going to be a key to the Bears winning the game. Yeah, going, you know, looking at my keys – um, early on, you know, for that Bears defense, I want to see him come out, and I want to see him make Matt Stafford's life hell early in this game. Get to get to Stafford, create pressure, maybe even dial up an extra blitz or two here and there. We know Fangio doesn't like sending the blitz early and often, but getting to getting to Matt Stafford, knocking him down, maybe getting one or two sacks in that first quarter, and just kind of let him know, hey, look, we're coming after you today. You got You're gonna have to beat us through the air. You have to make the throws. Um, I trust the Bears secondary, to be honest, to make to, to kind of shut down those uh, Lions wide receivers, even though I do think uh, Galladay and Marvin Jones are tough assignments. Um, on the other side, you know, I, I'll agree with running the football. I do think that getting Jordan Howard going is going to be key. I know we kind of saw his usage increase again last week against the Bills, and he did have the two touchdowns. Let's get him going. Let's get him going some more. Let's get him another rushing touchdown and make it four straight. It was the first time in his career he's ever had a rushing touchdown in three straight games. Make it four straight. And then, you know, I want to see Trubisky. I want to see him be accurate. I want to see him be smooth, make the right checks, understand the blitz. He talked about it today on Wednesday at Hallis Hall, how Detroit's defense is, or Detroit does a really good job disguising their defense, disguising the coverages, the blitzes. I want to see them be able to read that and understand and make those correct reads and those correct throws. Uh, if they do that, I think the Bears will win. Uh, do you want to get a prediction before I give mine? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Like I said, I think this is going to be a little closer than some people think. I don't think the Bears are going to cover this week. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be 27-21 uh, when it's all said and done. I think the Bears are going to have some missed opportunities on offense. Uh, I think their defense will play decently well, but – I think this is going to be a little bit of a bounce-back game for the for the Lions in a sense, but I do think the Bears are going to pull this one out. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what they say, good teams win, great teams cover. Um, I don't know if the Bears are a great team yet, so I'm going to go 23-20 Chicago. I think Connor Barth will hit a field goal. We'll say about five or six minutes left for the fourth quarter, and uh, the Bears' defense will hold off, hold off a Matthew Stafford drive attempt, maybe get an interception to seal it. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 23-20 Bears. They move to 6-3. They get that first win out of those four that you're talking about, and they're feeling good about themselves with the primetime showdown against Minnesota. So I'm, there's one thing you said there that I'm, I'm actually glad that you said because I keep doing this. You, 
you do the same thing that I do in calling uh, Cody Parkey Connor Barth. Like it's just like Wait, did I first, say Connor Barth? Yeah, you said Connor Barth, oh. and I'm thinking of yeah. And you know what's funny is, I mean, if we go back to last year, the the reason he got cut was because he missed a, a field goal that had them in position to take them in the overtime after Trubisky had that that just unreal run uh, on fourth down got yeah, him in position. Right. Yeah, but I just thought that was funny. I've I've called him. I've called Parky Barth probably about four or five times. That was before he started missing kicks. By the way, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Okay, Cody Parkey will hit the field goal uh, to win 23-20. I think he'll hit it with like five or six minutes left. But, yes, I can't believe I – I do remember that game, though. I I remember Trubisky had that long run on fourth down. And I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking back on that. You just knew something wasn't right. You just knew Bar- uh, Barth was going to miss it. Well, and and uh, the if anybody listens to the Hogan John pod, Hogan John's podcast, they they always play it. The holy Moses, that that kick wasn't it came off of his foot, and I'm just sitting there thinking, it was like you have got to be kidding." It was almost like it was honestly almost well, no, it was way worse. It was it was, it was way worse. Connor, or, sorry, uh, Cody Parkey's kick was almost as bad uh, in in the in the overtime. Uh, game against Miami, where you just saw it come off his foot, and you're like, "Yeah, no, that's that's not going to make it." But Connor Barth was—I mean, that that kick was so far. As soon as it left his foot, you're like, "Is that even going to stay in the stadium?" Like that didn't even look like it's even remotely close. So yeah, that's let's not have another one of those. Let's let's not like this. I I don't think, especially with how the Bears are doing right now, I don't think I could take a game like that. I could, I couldn't take them losing like that. So let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, what I think it was uh, Charles Leno that they should panned onto him. He just put his head down and just, yeah, after uh, Barth missed that kick. I think that's, yeah. I think that's who it was. Not, not good, but either way, Hey, yeah. positive vibes, five and three should get to six and three. That's what we both think is going to happen. Uh, awesome guest with, uh, with Kent Platty on with us. And uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a uh, fast and the furious next few weeks, man. I mean, we got, yeah. Got the Vikings next weekend, and then we got a very, very short turnaround, and we'll, we'll have to coordinate how we're going to do this. But uh, you know, into end of Thanksgiving, and so it's we got a lot of fun stuff coming up, man. And um, hopefully, the 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 fun with the Bears continues, and we we continue to have these podcasts where we're talking about Bears wins. Yeah, it's a lot better, a lot easier to talk about Bears wins than it is losses. Uh, and I'm with you. I hope hope we get some more wins. I hope it's got a fun, exciting end of the season. But you know, Aaron, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Uh, always. Great time doing this podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find this podcast on iTunes, um, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where podcasts are pretty much hosted. Um, we'll post it in the forum and on the website. Aaron, where can they find you on Twitter again? You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. And you can find me at, at Zach, C-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next week. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, 
no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.